Good morning. If you could all stand for the reading of God's word. My name is Joy Martin, and I will be reading out of Romans today, the sixth chapter, starting at verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, you guys can have a seat. I don't know about you guys, but um, I love the book of Romans. I really do. And uh, just walking through this over the last couple of months, we started in February. If you haven't been here for a little while, we began the book of Romans in February and walked through chapters one through four. And then last week on Easter began with chapter five, and now we're going to go through six, seven, and eight here over the next few weeks. And as Paul takes this turn in the book of Romans from really chapter four to chapter five, um, and we talked about this a little bit last week. He, he really starts to focus a little bit more on the not not just the the cross of Jesus that paid for our sins, but his his resurrection and life in which we now live, free from sin, learning to be sanctified, learning to become more and more like Jesus for our entire lives until we stand before Him in glory. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, um, I. I find myself at times sort of living my Christianity a little bit like this still. Now, think about this with me. Imagine that you were convicted of some sort of crime, right? And um, you, you were caught and, you know, they cuff you and all that stuff and you go to jail. And at some point you got to go and stand before a judge and maybe a jury or whoever in court. And, and you're there and, and, and you still have the cuffs on you because of the nature of the crime and at the end of that, the, the judge declared that you were no longer guilty. For whatever reason, there was no evidence, no good evidence for it, and um, you were actually declared not guilty, and you were allowed to be set free and go on your own to walk out of the courtroom. Now imagine that you were to walk out free and clear, not guilty, not going to jail, not facing any more penalty. You are a free person, and yet you walk out of the courtroom like this and continue to live your life like this. Does that make sense? Would it make any sense to live your life as if, even though you're not guilty, even though you are free and clear, would it make any sense to live your life this way? And obviously not, right? It doesn't make sense for us to do that. And yet, I do believe that many of us, many Christians in this world who have died with Christ on that cross and been raised to newness of life, what we just read uh, before service began, um, man, we still kind of see ourselves this way and continue to live as if this is the reality of our Christian walk. That Yeah, I'm free and clear. I'm not guilty of sin. And yet I, I still sort of wear the same things and act the same ways and don't kind of consider myself having been actually free. Even though I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm not free right? And, and, and we continue 
to live like this. And so today is really a, a very simple message. Here's the message today. That's Christianity, right? That we are not people who are just forgiven of sin. We are forgiven of sin. That's Romans 1 through 4. But we are people who are free from sin, okay? As Paul gets into 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, he's showing us that's not, the only reality is not just what happened on the cross, but now because of what God has done for us and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives within us, we are not just forgiven, we are free. And so we can walk and live our lives dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 11 is our key verse for today, so I'm going to read it again. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Y'all pray with me, and then we're going we're to dive into that a little bit. Lord, thank you so much, God, that that is true. Thank you that, um, that these shackles for all of us in Christ, that they are off, they are, they are gone. And I do pray, God, because I know there are some sitting in this room still wearing those. Maybe because they haven't confessed faith in Jesus. And so I pray that anybody that that's true of, that they would, and they would come to Christ today. And anybody who has confessed faith, I mean, I, I believe there might, might still be some of those sitting in those shackles today, and I pray that, that they would just fall off today by your grace and your spirit, and we would learn to walk in the freedom of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. And so Romans 6, 11. So open up your Bibles with me if you have that, um, and we're going to kind of, like I said, focus on verse 11 today, but we're going to look at a few of the other little passages here in chapter 6 of, of Romans. By the way, if you haven't gotten a, a Romans bookmark, we have Romans bookmarks still up here on the stage. I think there's some out there in the atrium. We have reading plans. We have our after-church podcast that'll be coming out every Sunday after the message after Sunday morning. You can listen to the podcast where we just kind of break down a little bit more, kind of go deeper into these things. So those are just resources for y'all um, as we walk through Romans. So again, let's read verse 11 again. In the same way, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let's start with that in the same way, in the same way. That's how he begins that. So when he says in the same way, what does that instantly tell us in our minds? That we need to understand what? What he has just said, okay? If he's talking about in the same way, he's talking about in the same way of what I just said, now count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. So look at what he said ahead of that when he said, verse 5, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Our old self, listen, was crucified with Christ, is what he says. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer, no longer be slaves to sin, right? No longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8, keep reading. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead last week, right? He was raised from the dead. We cannot die. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So I think that's what Paul is referencing when he says in the same way in verse 11, right? In the same way, what? Because Jesus died. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. He's implying we got to understand that. So when he says Christ died to sin, what does he mean? That Christ died to sin really in two main ways. Christ died to sin, number one, to pay its penalty. And number two, to remove its power right? That is how Christ died to sin. What he said in verse 10, Jesus died to sin. So we got to, in the same way, count ourselves dead to sin. What do I need to know? Well, I need to know that Jesus died to it. He died to pay its penalty 
and he died to break its power. If you didn't remember that, if you didn't write it down, that's something you need to know, okay? Because those two things are absolutely critical if we're going to live our lives like this, free from sin. We got to know what Jesus did to sin. He died for its penalty, and he broke its power. Both of those things are true. Now, I think sometimes we stop at the penalty part. Again, I'm forgiven. The penalty is gone, and yet I'm still wearing the shackles because I don't know that he actually broke its power, okay? So Jesus did both of those things. So when he says, in the same way, he's saying, remember that, that Jesus paid the penalty and Jesus broke the power of sin, And those are both amazing truths because I think sometimes we look at the cross and we think about the resurrection of Jesus and we just kind of put those things in kind of deep theological terms, sort of like cosmic theological, like we're just forgiven of sin, right? Like when I become a Christian, I'm forgiven of sin. And so one day I'm kind of going to go to heaven, but the cross and the empty tomb don't really have any impact on my daily life right now. But that's not true. Because he not only paid for the penalty, he broke the power. And if he broke the power, that affects the way I live today. That affects the way I live my life day to day. It's kind of like this, like when you think about inventions in the world, right? If you think about like the Hubble telescope, that's a great invention, right? And sometimes I think we, we kind of think about the cross resurrection, almost like the Hubble telescope, like it's an amazing invention, but it has nothing to do with my day-to-day life, right? And it's just like out there and it's amazing and it's cool and it's cosmic and it's huge and it, it inspires awe in me and that's great. But what about an invention like the wheel, Right? The Hubble telescope inspires all, but the wheel gets you where you're going. You get what I'm saying? And so like when we think about the cross of Jesus and we think about all that he's done for us, yes, it's amazing and it's huge and it's big and it's deep, but it's also practical and it's real and it changes me today. Today, it actually changes the way that I live my life. And so our motivation for living a new transformed life in Christ is Christ himself, Jesus is the motivation for us to live this kind of way, taking off the shackles by the Holy Spirit living in us to live free from sin. There's this guy named Matthew Henry. He wrote a commentary on every verse in the Bible uh, back in the 1600s. That's a lot of work if you didn't know that. Um, Wrote a commentary on every verse of the Bible in the 1600s. Here's a quote from him. He says, There is strength in the covenant of grace for us. Sin shall not have dominion. He was commenting on Romans 6.11 here. Sin shall not have dominion. God's promises to us are more powerful and effectual for mortifying sin than our promises to God. You hear that? God's promises to me make this happen, not my promises to God. God's promises to me that have been fulfilled in the cross. And then he says, he says, sin may struggle in a real believer and create in him a great deal of trouble, but it shall not have dominion. It may vex him, but it shall not rule him. Sin shall take occasion from this encouraging, uh, or we shall take occasion from this encouraging doctrine to allow ourselves in the practice of any sin. Far be such an abominable thought, so contrary to the perfections of God and the design of his gospel, so opposed to being under grace. What can be a stronger motive against sin than the love of Christ? Shall we sin against so much goodness and such love? That's what Matthew Henry said about this verse. Shall we keep sinning when we have seen his love and his mercy? Yes, the cross forgives me, but it also frees me because I see his love in it. I see his goodness in it. And it motivates me then to live my life walking by the power of his Holy Spirit. So he says, in the same way, and then he says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Count yourselves. Count yourselves. Everybody say count. Everybody say count. 
count. The word in the Greek is the word logizomai, and it's really a word that means, it means exactly that. It means to count, it means to reckon, it means to kind of make a logical, discerning observation in your mind and come to a rational conclusion. That's what that word means. So when he's talking about uh, count yourself, he's like, okay, think about what Jesus has done on the cross. Consider that. Consider all that he is and all that he's done and all the work on your behalf. And then having considered what Jesus has done and who Jesus is and the work that he's accomplished in your life and having filled you with his Holy Spirit through faith. Now, because of that, in your mind, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We count that. We think about that. We study that. That's the way our minds are in Christ. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. This is how we count. This is how we think as Christians. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. That's a memory verse right there. How do we count ourselves? How do we reckon ourselves? No longer alive to sin. No longer walking around in chains and shackles, but free from sin because Jesus died for it. Jesus died to forgive it, and he died to free us from it. That's how we reckon. That's how we count. But here's the problem. I brought a little illustration. You and I count differently, generally. You and I have this thing where we like to sort of count like this, where we're like, okay, you know what? I know my sin, and I know the things that I've done. I'm I'm pretty prideful. I'm kind of conceited. I've lusted this many times. I've gotten angry that many times. I cheated this many times. I've lied that many times. I said eight cuss words yesterday. Some of y'all, that's like a low count, right? Um, it's like I, I, I spoke kind of harshly to my kids. My, oh, but you know what? I did come to church today. Okay, that was cool. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of money in the offering, but that person gave more, so that's kind of over there. Um, I, you know, I read my Bible, let's see, twice this week, so that was cool. Um, I've, I've prayed a little bit, and then you're like, we're trying our very best to sort of weigh, to sort of weigh things out, right? And we're, we're doing everything we can, and we like, we know that there's debts, and we know that there's failures, but we're like, man, if I can just try really hard, if I can do really good, maybe at some point, like, this scale will tip back to my favor. And we live our lives this way. Here's what Paul is saying. When it comes to how we count as Christians, and by the way, let me just back up because in Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul actually says this. He says, all those things, like here's our debts, right? But all those things in the, in the positive area, all those things kind of in the positive, even that, Paul says, I count those things as loss. The truth is, like those things are lost too. It's all loss. Because even those things, those good things, those things create pride in me to think that I've done it on my own, that I've won something for myself, that I'm good enough. But the way Paul's telling us to count is like this. That's how we count as Christians, right? Like there is no, the balance is not tipped in any other way other than at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, right? That he has destroyed everything. And it don't matter what you want to put in there now. It don't matter what you try to do, but some of us do this every day, right? Like we're still trying, we're still working, we're still fighting, we're still going for it. And he's just going, look, stop. It's done. It's done. Why are you still living your life the other way, right? And, and he just wants us to kind of get this and understand this, that y'all, the balance has forever been tipped in our favor by the grace and the mercy of Jesus, not by you and me, 
then we can, we can continue to put stuff in there as much as we want to. And even if we could tip the balance one way or the other, again, read Philippians 3, where Paul's just like, I count all that junk as lost anyway. Even the good stuff I used to do. It doesn't matter because it wasn't good enough. Jesus is good enough. So we reckon ourselves, we count ourselves dead to sin. He said, you have been crucified with Christ, dead to sin, and alive to God, he says, in Christ Jesus. What does that, what does that mean? He says, count yourselves dead to sin, that you've been freed from sin. Well, I've said that several times already. You have been freed from sin. You are, you are a slave to something. Let me read you this, verse 17, Romans 6 here, verse 17. He said, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Did you know that you're a slave to something? You are. Um, and look, you can argue against that. I'm just kind of giving you what the word says today. You are a slave. You obey someone. You obey something. And he's kind of given us the dichotomy here being either you obey sin and its passions and desires or you are a slave to righteousness. He says, in Christ Jesus, that's who you are. Like, praise God, he said, that you used to be a slave to sin and now you're a slave. So you're still obeying someone, right? Now we're obeying Jesus. And the difference is Jesus is a good master, right? Sin is not. Sin is not a good master. It makes promises that it does not keep, but Jesus makes promises that he always keeps and so we serve him. And he says we serve him wholeheartedly. I love that. We serve him wholeheartedly. This is not legalism. This is love for Jesus. Why do we serve him? Why do we obey him? Because we're dead to sin. We've counted ourselves dead. To, like we've reckoned that. We're dead to sin. We're alive to God. And now I obey him from my heart. 1 John 5, 31. 1 John 5, 31 says that we obey the commands of God in our love. We obey the commands of God. And he says this, and his commands are not burdensome. God's commands, not burdensome. They're good. They're lovely. They're beautiful. Read Psalm 119. Just read through it and pray through it. It's all about the law of God being good for us, us loving God's law. And so we reckon ourselves, he says, dead to sin. That means we have been freed from sin. And it means we don't have to obey sin any longer. Did you know, and this is, by the way, when I was in college, um, this verse right here, Romans 6, 11, changed my Christianity. It changed my faith. I had never really read through the Bible until I got into Bible college. It's kind of crazy, right? But I never really read through the whole thing. And I got there and I began to really study and look into it. And Romans 6 became for me sort of the chapter that changed my outlook on life, on my faith, on my practice of everyday living, because I learned this, I don't have to sin. Did you know that? Did you know that about you? You've been set free from sin. Let me, let me read you this. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. He, he, what's the implication there? You don't have to let sin do what it's doing in you. You don't have to anymore. You're free. And by the way, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks in Romans 8. If you're not in Christ, and I, listen, right now, anybody in here who's not in Christ, you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, been baptized into Christ, all you can do is sin. You're defined by it. Again, 
no matter what it is, even the good things that you try to put on this, that side of the balance, even that becomes in you a, a, a pride and an arrogance and a self, uh, self-preservation, self-actualization, like self-improvement or whatever it is. It's all about you. It's all about self. And so it is sin because it does not bring glory to Jesus. So apart from him, that's all we are and that's all we do. But in Christ, we're free. He said, you died to sin. You must set free from it. So he says, verse 13, don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Again, y'all, this is law. This is like tip the scales if you can in your favor. But grace, again, that's grace where it's not about what's fair. It's not about like what you can do. It's just, we're not under law. We're not trying to work to make the scale work for us. We're under grace. We're under the cross of Jesus Christ. So he says, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. So how do we reckon ourselves alive to God? What does that mean to reckon ourselves alive to God? Okay, back to Galatians 2.20. He said, I no longer live but Christ lives in me. How am I alive to God? Because he's alive in me. He has given me his Holy Spirit to live for his glory. Do not miss the next couple messages here in Romans because we're going to get into the Holy Spirit and what that means for us as he fills us with his spirit to adopt us as his children, to make us alive and show us that we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because that's true, we live to God. Everything that we do is, is in him. We are in Christ. He is in us. In Colossians 3, 4, Paul says, he is our life. Jesus is our life. Colossians 1, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. He's my life. He's not a supplement to my life. He's my life. He's not a part of my life. He's my life. He's not an hour and 10 minutes on a Sunday morning of my life. He's my life. He's not a growth group during the week of my life. He is my life. Jesus is life. And so we live to God. He says, so I reckon myself, my whole self, dead to sin, but I reckon my whole self alive to God. That means every part of me, every part of me. Again, let me read verse uh, 13 and 14. And this is going to get real practical. Okay, here's what he says. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. He says, offer the parts of your body to him. If God is your master and you serve him wholeheartedly because he has done everything for you to tip the scale by his grace and you just offer yourself to him, guess what that means? That means all of yourself. And he actually says the members of your body. That literally means body parts. That's what he's talking about. Every part of your physical self, every part of that exists on your body, it is his. And some people, again, they kind of look at this as legalism, but here's the reality, y'all. God created you. Jesus created you. Colossians chapter one says, in him and through him and for him are all things created, right? In Jesus, we are made and Jesus bought you. 1 Corinthians 6, you were purchased with a price. If he made you and he bought you, guess what? He owns you. You're his. And so he's just like, man, give every part of yourself to him. So just think about your body for a second. Your hands. 
Are your hands submitted to Christ and his work? Your feet and where they take you day to day, wherever you go, whatever we do, are, are, are we submitted? Our brains, the way that we think, again, the way that we reckon, the way that we count, the way that we uh, use, use rationality in our minds and our education, do we submit that to God? Our mouths, how do you talk? The Apostle James talks a lot about how we use our mouth, either for good or for evil. Our, our ears, are you listening for the glory of God to other people? Your eyes, what are you looking at? Or are you paying attention to the people around you? Or are you using your eyes as an instrument for wickedness, your strength? Men in the room, how do you use your strength? For good or for evil? For your wife and kids or against them? For the good of others or against them? We're going to talk adult for a second. Your sexual organs. Instruments of wickedness or righteousness? He says, all the parts of your body use as instruments of righteousness. Your intelligence, your humor, your athleticism, your creativity, your personality, your skills, and your gifts. Are we using these things in submission to King Jesus, who has tipped the scales by his grace to give us new life in him and set us free from sin? Are we using that freedom now to continue as slaves to wickedness? or as slaves to righteousness, to say, God, you have every part of my body to do whatever you will do with me. And y'all, that's a struggle. I understand that. All of this, it's a struggle. Our appetites, our cravings in our flesh, they still exist. The things that we struggle with, again, next week, we're going to hit on this a lot more, chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul's just like, man, I want to do certain things, but I can't, and I'm trying to do this, but I don't do it, and I don't want to do this, but I keep doing it, and I'm struggling in my flesh, that's just real. But we are free from sin. And we don't have to live in sin any longer. That is the good news of the gospel, guys. It doesn't just end when, we're saved, when we come to faith in Jesus and we're forgiven. It continues as we walk in him to become more and more like Jesus all the way into glory. And he makes us more like Christ, sanctifying us by his Holy Spirit. And so I want you to pick up those white cards on your chairs. Everybody just grab that white card. If you have a pen, grab that pen. There's some in the seat backs. There should be enough pens around. Or if anybody has a pen, you can share or something like that. I want everybody to have a card and a pen. I want everybody to have a card and a pen. And we're just going to have a time right now of just sort of reflection and prayer. And, and I wanted to bring the cards today just because I actually want you to, as we're really talking about like taking deep theological truth and putting it physically into our actual everyday lives, I wanted you to physically write this down for yourself so maybe it would kind of help you remember it and this would be something that you can keep as well. And it's going to be, uh, I'm just going to ask us all to kind of let this be a one and just a safe space, okay? Safe place where we can be honest, we can be real with God, honestly be real with yourself. And we got two sides of the card. On the top of, the front, of one side, I want you to write the word law, L-A-W. And on the top of the other side, I want you to write the word grace. Write law on one side on the top and write grace on the other side on the top. Okay, on the law side, here's where I'm going to ask you just to be honest and be real. Like, what is this stuff for you? What are these things that you still struggle with in your life? 
What are these things that you would consider debt that you have to pay? What are these things that you feel like, maybe feel like those shackles that you kind of continue? Maybe it's things you kind of keep coming back to. Maybe it's things you feel like you've gotten victory over at times, but you still kind of struggle with other times. Maybe it's things that nobody else knows about. So I want you to actually write that down. Write that down on the law side. Listen, nobody's looking around. I want to just kind of, you know, kind of make an agreement. Nobody's looking around at you. Nobody's looking at your card. Um, just everybody kind of right there where you're at. On that law side, just, man, be honest with God. Here are the things I'm struggling with in my sinful nature, in my flesh. The things that would be represented by these shackles. So just take a minute. Keep writing. You can take a few minutes here. Maybe you can think of 20 things. Maybe you could just think of one or two. But whatever you write down over the next couple minutes, just even as you write them, Maybe just take some time and pray and confess those things to the Lord. Like seriously, just take this time. Just as you're writing those things down, God, this is, this is what I struggle with. You know this. You know who I am. You know what I've done. Take this opportunity just to pray to him. Pray over those things. At whatever point you are done with that side, the law side, I want you to flip that card over on the grace side. And I want you to write that verse. That's Romans 6, 14. Just write that verse on the grace side under the word grace. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but you are under grace. You are not under law, but you are under grace. You can keep writing, just keep writing if you need to. Y'all, the law puts demands on us that we cannot meet. The law, has, there are hundreds of laws in the Old Testament, hundreds. And we can't meet 10 of them. You can't meet one of them, let's be honest. And even Jesus came and made the law even more strict than we thought it was. He said, maybe you haven't committed adultery, but you've lusted in your heart. It's the same thing. Maybe you've never killed anyone, but you've held anger in your heart. It's the same thing. And it's about our hearts. And the law makes demands on us that we can never balance the scale. And the scale shouldn't be balanced. You know what? Because the gospel is not about balancing the scale. The gospel is about tipping the scale by the grace of Jesus. So we are not under law, we are under grace. And that is the best news in the world. Listen, if you're under law, you're dead. 
You're dead under the law. You're guilty and you stand condemned before God. And so I just want to say this as we close. Just everybody look right here for a second. If you need to write more after this, you can. Um, But just look right here because I just need everybody to hear this. I don't know who's in this room standing on, on which side of things. Who's under law and who's under grace? Who has given their life over to Jesus? Who has submitted to him as he begins this chapter, been baptized into Christ Jesus, and who hasn't? If you have, you have submitted to Jesus. You have put faith in him, repented of sin, turned to Christ in faith. If you've done that, you're under grace and you are dead to sin. But if you haven't done that, listen, listen. If you haven't done that, you haven't submitted your life to King Jesus and you're still trying to do this on your own, you're not dead to sin. You're dead in sin. In sin, and that's a lot different. Christians are dead to sin. Sin doesn't have mastery over us anymore. But if you're not a Christian, if you haven't come to faith in Jesus, you're dead in your sins. And that's spiritually, but one day physically, all of us will die. And there's only two ways to die. Either you die in faith or you die in sin. That's the only two ways to die. The actual method of your death, honestly, y'all, it doesn't matter. But if you die in faith in Christ Jesus, then you're already dead to sin and you're alive to God. Praise him and you'll be with him forever. But if you die in your sins because you reject Jesus and you've been trying to do this your whole life, you're gonna stand before him and you're gonna find that that scale is still tipped towards sin and you're dead in sin and you will stand condemned. And so I just say that to say, if that's you, and you, you still know right now, I'm dead in my sins. I have not confessed sin. I have not come to faith in Christ. I have not trusted him for my salvation. Listen, when we're done today, I would just encourage you, I'm gonna hang out right there. Just please come talk with me. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you know what that means to follow Jesus and to trust that, again, he's tipped the scale for us, right? He has put his grace upon us. We are not under law. We are under grace in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. And then we'll be done. God, we love you. And thank you so much that we are not under law. God, your law is good. Your law shows us what sin is. Your law shows us that you are righteous, but it also shows us that we're not. And it shows us that the scale is unchangeably tipped in the other direction. If it's up to us, we can't fix it. The law shows us that. And yet, by your goodness and your grace, Father, you have sent your son, Jesus, to forever tip the scales back and give us life in his name if we just have faith in him. So we just thank you and praise you today, God. That's why we're here. That's why we live our lives for you. That's why we offer the members of our bodies to righteousness and not any longer to unrighteousness. I pray for everyone in this room who is a Christian, God, I pray that we would walk out of this door not with shackles on our wrists, but knowing that we are free from sin and we no longer have to live in that anymore and we can actually live free, not just forgiven, but free. And God, I pray you'd give us wisdom. If there are things we need help with, if there's brothers or sisters we need to talk to, confess to, if we need to show up on Thursday nights and and have a group of people we can talk to about what we're particularly going through. God, that you would just give us wisdom to take the steps we need to take to be free from sin, to live as we actually are free. And then God, for anybody in this room 
who has not settled the issue of faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that that would change today. And maybe here in a couple of weeks, even somebody sitting in here today would submit to baptism, be baptized into the waters, into Christ Jesus through faith and just say, you know what? I'm done living my life as a slave to sin. I'm gonna live my life as a child of God. So I just pray for that freedom today. And I thank you for your goodness and your mercy over us who could not save ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.